Welcome back to the program. Father Nagel is going to open us with a scripture reading and a prayer. This is a famous Lenten uh, reading from Matthew 6. Jesus said, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. Lord, as we approach this holy season, give all of us, all our listeners, all, everyone tuned in, uh, just uh, all faithful, a holy season of Lent that we might encounter you in such a way that we're closer to you at the end of the season as we are today. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, Father, so today on the program, we are going to be doing something different, something that is I'm excited about. So normally when we do something like, um, when we do something like uh, uh, going over passages, we'll draw from the scriptures or we'll draw from the catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, but this time we're going to do something different, and that is that, folks, you may not be aware that a pope, the pope, will release a message for certain occasions in the year. And so uh, can you think of one, Father Lewis? Can you think of a, an occasion where a pope will deliver a message for that year? He has a Christmas message or New Year's message, came out, which um, Irby at Orby, City and World. Yeah, there we go. So there's one. Father Nagel, can you think of one? Well, he stole mine. But um, <laughs> I also think he always has an annual address to diplomats, doesn't he? Does that count? He does. Yeah, a message to diplomats. Uh, he has one World Communication Day uh-huh. is another one he does. And it's interesting because normally the message will be released well in advance of the date itself. This year's different. Uh, now, this is Monday of the week, um, which Ash Wednesday and announce, you know, launching into Lent. But this year's Lenten message, that's another one. He'll, they'll, they'll do a Lenten message. This one comes out on Friday. It uh, came out last Friday. Unfortunately, we're recording this on Thursday. <laughs> so we don't even know what the Pope's message is, but we do know something. We know the title. And so today on the program, we're going to use the titles of all of Pope Francis's Lenten messages as our springboards, as our launching off places to reflect on the meaning of Lent. I think that I thought that was pretty clever. Don't yeah. you think so? Yeah, very I'm clever, excited. Tom. Yeah, yeah, very clever. Now, does that mean I'm proud and I need to be humbled again? Am There's I going to go back to up. the... Well, this is terrible. I think I'm back to the guardian angel permission prayer. Give me, <laughs> I give you permission to humble me once a day during Lent. <laughs> or even oh. before Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lent has just come early, folks, for me. It's not right, that so, Monday for Tom. <laughs> yes, no kidding. Huh? It's gonna we're getting to thin Monday, uh, <laughs> skinny Monday, skinny Monday. There we go. So yeah, so we're gonna do that today. And I think along the way, I'm gonna be asking you, good fathers, for um, do you have any sense yet of what you'll be doing for your Lent? Which I know that we're still pretty much a week out for you all when we're recording this. But uh, if you've given any thought to it, that would be that would be awesome. It'd be good to to get a sense of what you're thinking about. All right, so let's. I, I'm going, Father Lewis. I'm going to give you choices. Ooh. Choices is one of those things that you actually strip back on in Lent. You try to to simplify means to take away choices. But do you want to start at 2014 and go all the way to 2023? Do you want to start at 2023 and go backwards to 2014 with the titles of these Lenten messages, or do you want to cherry pick the one that jumps out at you? <laughs> well, you already left us on a cliffhanger about what the title is for 2023, so I was going to. I was thinking we were going to start there. Awesome. There we go. So there's there's the good discernment right there. See how discernment works, folks, right in front of us live? Discernment is anything Tom wants. <laughs> I actually like any—what I like is putting you good fathers on the spot so people can see what it's like to, to be responding to the Spirit's prompting in the moment. There you go. All right. So Lent 2023, the title is With Him, Jesus, With Him on the Mountain. And then the subtitle is Lenten Penance— in the synodal journey with him on the mountain lenten penance and the synodal journey father lewis since you know you you discerned it <laughs> when you hear that connect that to the theme of lent how does that jump out at you does that does that meaningful for you 
It is. And the reason why is, is because with him on the mountain, well, what mountain are we talking about in Lent? I can't remember if it's, um, it's every, it's, it's every, every year. It's, I think it's the fifth Sunday in Lent. It's always the transfiguration. I can't remember which Sunday it is, but it happens every year. And that's the, um, and that's the Sunday gospel from Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And, um, and so that's the mountain, um, Mount Tabor. And with him on the mountain, well, what happened up there, Jesus was transfigured. And then Peter's response. And Jesus being transfigured uh, in a glimpse, they got the fullness of his glory. As it's going to be forever and ever, they got a glimpse of that. And, um, and we get a glimpse of, of the glory of God um, um, the glory of God in, in various ways. And, and hopefully what we receive from those, those glimpses is, um, is new energy to, to persevere if we're in a time of desolation or to, or to be grateful in times of consolation, or both, to be grateful for that grace in that moment. Um, and I think that's what Peter was trying to say. I sometimes kind of, and so Peter's response, I sometimes, you know, mock Peter a little bit, like of all things he could have said at the sight of this glory was, let's make tents. You know, I might have said, I don't know, anything else. But, um, but then I think you got to remember what, um, what a tent is to the, to the Hebrews, to the Jews. You know, he's, he's talking about the, the, the gigantic complex tabernacle tent that Moses and the, and the Hebrew people had with them. That was their portable temple, and it was an elaborate structure for a tent. And so it's like Peter saying, let's set this up, and we want to stay here a while, because if you set that thing up, it took all day or a couple days. Hopefully it was worth it. You were going to stay there for a while. So Peter's really saying, it's, we're at rest here. We're at peace. We're filled with grace. It is good to be here. Let us rest a while. But then the glimpse ended, and because why? Um, their earthly mission needs to continue. So we'll get a glimpse of the mountain on that Sunday. In you know, the fourth Sunday in Lent, we get Laetari Sunday, so the joyful Rejoice Sunday, as it were. Um, is it Laetari? Yeah, Laetari Sunday. And so we get kind of like a glimpse of the light in the end tunnel, so it can help us to persevere through the next phase of Lent and our Lenten disciplines, our Lenten fasting, because there's, there's glory at the end of this. Um, so anyway, um, that's what came to my mind just even at the word of a mountain. That's so interesting because that was a different mountain. That was a different moment I than I thought mountain. of. Yeah, Father Nagel. Well, I, I was thinking of the mountain of the devil takes him up onto the mountain uh, and in terms of the first, the first Sunday of the temptations. That was what I was thinking of to show him the whole world. So I was thinking just in terms of that, but you might have a different mountain as well. But I was thinking of the beginning of Lent of the to, to purge ourselves of pride and um, the desire for power and earthly comforts and things, um, and again in the midst of that temptation to turn to the Father, I was thinking that again, perhaps, perhaps in terms of Lenten penance and the synodal journey. Just, no matter what you think of the synodal journey, I think penance and in, in, in this sort of pre- spiritual preparation is the right thing to do. Um, or do you think this is this great thing, or you, you have some reservations, regardless? Um, I think that it's wise for the Pope to say, hey, you know what, um, let's do something spiritual about it. Let's not um, go after each other, but let's uh, turn to the Lord and resist the devil's promptings in this. And uh, that, that was what came to my mind. Wow. I had a different mountain. <laughs> I did, And I love both of your mountains. These make great sense. Is the mountain the Mount of Transfiguration, which happens during the Lenten journey on the way to Jerusalem? Is it the Lenten, is it the mountain at the beginning in the desert where Jesus took him up to a high mountain, right? And there's prayer, fasting, almsgiving, like laid out right there. I was thinking of the scene in, I think it's in Matthew, where Jesus leaves the crowd behind and goes up uh. to a mountain to pray at night by himself. Yeah, And I, I was taking this that, oh, no, we're called during Lent to do uh, a Christ-like thing, which is to come away from the crowds, come away from the daily mm-hmm. activities, and go up onto the mountain and spend the night in prayer mm-hmm. with the Lord, because it's out of that that he then comes down and chooses his apostles, etc. So I took it as, oh, obviously, anybody who reads this title is going to recognize that... <laughs> It's when Jesus left the crowds behind and went off and spent the night in prayer. And that's what we're called to do is extend ourselves in our relationship to the Lord in prayer. So obviously I'm right, fathers. You, 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 I you suspect you are right. <laughs> um, I don't want to say that on the air, but I think it's true. I think I suspect now that you mention it, you will find out soon. But I think that that's probably what he's meaning. Yeah, interesting. 
But then the, connecting that just to the, I like what you said, Father, connecting the concept of penance to the synodal journey. Yeah. I think that there has been far too much chatter around the synodal journey. And to think about, and Carrie, she's really good at saying things like this to me. If I'm getting critical about somebody or something, she'll say, you know, you'll actually benefit a lot more if you stop critiquing it and start praying for it. Start mm -hmm. praying for that person, pray for that situation, and the Lord will do some good. And maybe the Lord's stirring something up in you so that through your prayer, he'll bring about the good thing that you want, rather than you getting all huffy and, 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 and harsh and critical. Welcome to my life, fathers. <laughs> Sounds like you have a very wise wife to me. <laughs> she's, a, she's a patient, patient. <laughs> so uh, there we go. So that's Lent 2023. Hey, we are cranking through these, yeah. fathers. We might get All done right. in 2014, but I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lent 2022. Here we go. Again, folks, today we are looking at the titles of the papal messages that Pope Francis has released every year during his papacy. Um, as they as a launching point into the Lenten journey. So last year, it was from Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And here's the passage, and Father Nagel, we'll let you share, share first. Let us not grow tired of doing good, for in due time we shall reap our harvest if we do not give up. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all. I see a, that's just a theme there of perseverance. The very idea, don't grow tired of doing good. And I think that that's, I think that can be, that's one of the reasons for Lent, I think, is to kind of re-up. And um, our failures or our sloth or whatever it is, that we can fall away from that. Um, and so I, I, I hear in that passage of the two verses, the this call, and I think applying it to, to Lent, uh, I do think that's a good attitude to take because there are some people, there are some really Lent I call them Lent fanatics who just love it um, and they get super excited. There are others who look at it and say, my life right now is, it's just, I, my spiritual life is going nowhere and, or at least it's just tired. Um, and so this is a chance for me to continue to get up and keep going. So just a word of encouragement to those who are maybe discouraged or uh, sort of fallen behind is how I see it. Perseverance is the theme I, I um, uh, observed as well, and particularly that first line, let us not grow tired of doing good. And maybe a lot of Catholics are kind of a combination of the two, the Lenten fanatics, but then the, you know, everything is getting drab because we have a great start, and then, oh man, it's just, it's it's hard. We lose, we lose the zeal, we lose the energy, and we just kind of slip back into old ways. We relax on our uh, chosen disciplines, and hopefully a second wind will happen so that we can finish strong and that's a good blessing I, uh, for me personally of Holy Week is that, okay, I've been pretty spotty here, but we've got one week left. We can push, for, we can push through. We can do this and, and do it for God. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I noticed the perseverance as well. And, and uh, just, a, yeah, a word of encouragement, the, the, the practical application of this passage to uh, hopefully whatever we choose to do for Lent for the glory of God and, and the growth of our, of our life of virtue it's not something that will be ridiculous and, and overstretch us that we just can't even possibly sustain it, but something that will challenge us and stretch us and help us to grow. So there's that moderate middle we can strive for. So the uh, part of this scripture that uh, that jumped out at me was, um, in addition to the perseverance, was the while we have the opportunity. And that has been a big theme in, in uh, my household. Um, and maybe again, it's maybe it's just with Carrie, but... The phrase that we'll use with each other is if we, like, if we, our sense is, hey, wait a minute, why are you, like, here's the actual phrase, stop wasting your life. Are, mm -hmm. are you wasting your life watching that show? Are you wasting your life on that smartphone uh, when you could instead be taking time for prayer? When you could instead be taking time in spiritual reading? When you could, you know, so there's the, this is an opportunity, as in now is the time, as in this is a blessed moment, but it's going to pass. And I think that that is one of the motivators for me to be able to face a difficult good, to begin to tackle the reality that I'm called to realize, to make real this difficult good, and then to persevere in pouring out even sacrificially for the sake of this difficult good. So it's, um, 
for some reason, I, I've been listening to more homilies around um, heaven and eternity because of the way in which when they will sometimes come back to appear and give messages to those who are on earth, it was, don't waste your time, mm-hmm. right? Don't waste the opportunity you have now to do good, to grow in holiness, to merit uh, a higher place in heaven. And so that's some of the places where that language has entered into my household uh, is from like, let's listen to the voices of those in heaven to say, look, you're, you're running the race now. You have the chance. Go. I, I was thinking, we were, I was on a show with you two or three weeks back, and I think that was the theme. So at first I thought you were talking about, uh, we have this opportunity of Lent, it's a grace-filled season, and so you know, don't, this is one of the great chances of, and opportunities of the year. But you, then you did transfer it, because I was thinking, I think it's more than that. It's, this is, you know, your life's short, you don't have too much time. Um, so that whole idea of opportunity cost that the economists talk to us about, the idea that you only have so much you can do with this time. And if you do one thing, you can't do the other thing. And so if you're, doing, you're wasting your time on your smartphone or something else stupid, then, again, as you say, um, you're wasting your life literally, and you don't have much of it left. Yep. So. Yeah. Go ahead, Father Lewis. Well, it, there's an echo here don't, while we have the opportunity of, of what Jesus himself said when he laments over Jerusalem, if only you have known the hour of your visitation. And I've read uh, some great uh, kind of spiritual reflections on that, like any moment can be an hour of our visitation that the Lord blesses us with if we, if we find where God is at work. But if we're wasting our life and we're just tuning out and not, not striving for the sensitivity to the promptings of the Spirit, um, it's, it's an hour of visitation. And then the Lord doesn't respond to that or react to that with, with anger, but Jesus wept over Jerusalem. If only he had known the hour of your visitation and Jesus wept. There's only two times, I think, in Scripture where it's recorded Jesus wept, and that was, that was one of them. He wept over Jerusalem, and he wept over his friend Lazarus. And, um, and so if we love our Lord, we don't want to cause him uh, sorrow, and so let's not, waste, let's not waste the opportunity. Let's not um, miss the hour of our visitation. Yeah, amen. So I, I love that idea, folks, that even though we're entering into something that is an entire season, 46 days of Lent, it starts on Wednesday, it's a now is the time moment. It's an opportunity to do good. And that good is going to be difficult. And so the, the scripture here from Galatians 6 is realize that you're going to have to persevere. Don't grow tired. It's going to be hard. Push through. All right, we're up against a break, Father. So when we come back, we got through two in that first section. The longest section of our program, we got through two. So Excellent. We, we're on our way. <laughs> we are, we're making use of the opportunity we have. All right, back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernan with Father Kurt Nagel and Father Jeff Lewis. And we're reflecting on the titles of papal messages. Pope Francis chose to have scripture passages for almost all of his Lenten messages. So we're using those as launching points for us to reflect on the meaning of Lent and how that can be a blessing to you. So Lent 2021, the passage was, and we're back to you, Father Lewis. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. It's from Matthew 20 verse 18. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And then the subtitle was Lent, a time for renewing faith, hope, and love. So Jesus says this in Matthew 20 on their way up to his passion. And so it's only a couple of uh, chapters later, I think, when he enters in triumph on what we call Palm Sunday. And then the sequence of events that go from there will lead from Hosanna and blessed is he to crucify him and he dies on the cross. And then Pope Francis subtitles this a time of renewing faith, hope, and love. So combining the two, like we're going to Jerusalem where Jesus was arrested unjustly, you know, tortured and, and suffered on the cross and died. And, and yet this is where we're going to have a faith, hope, and love renewed. Well, yeah, I think I've, I've uh, mentioned to parishioners and other, other occasions that when, when times are the toughest or, or, the light is most faded, the darkness is engulfing us, that's when faith really is is tested, and when tested can be strengthened if we don't fail the test, if we don't succumb. So it is a renewal of faith, hope, and love if we know how to make capital of the spiritual sufferings as we accompany our Lord in all of that, and maybe our own physical sufferings as well. If we know how to turn to the Lord in our need and to 
and make make good and invite God into those moments of suffering and into those wounds to turn them into occasions of grace, I, I think that faith, hope, and love is renewed and strengthened. So there's that you know there's kind of that paradox there. You know if we if we were given only candies and sunshine all the day, then um, you know faith isn't really tested. We could say that we we love God, but because love you know God gives us all good things and it becomes like a kind of a a, a prosperity gospel lived out in real time. Um, but real love, real hope, real faith is is met with adversity, and that's how it is strengthened and and really given its depth and its its richness. I think. For me, I think Father Lewis mentioned, got to this uh, in some ways, but there's that, it's the two-sided nature of that verse. Um, I was thinking, you know, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. Say that during, a, I've been to the Holy Land on pilgrimage twice, and that's exciting. Um, you know, this is, the, this is the, the city, city of God, this is city, this is where it happens. This is the navel of the universe, right? Um, this is the... This is where our whole faith is, you know, concentrated on this this physical spot. So there's something very exciting about that, including I think to the people in, in Jews, uh, Jesus' um, entourage or among his disciples. But we also know, as Father Lewis says, Matthew 20, going up to Jerusalem is also going to be going up to the cross. So th- there's that two-edged thing going on. And I was thinking about that just in terms of the season of Lent itself, um, that. I think me, maybe others, we we can um, we can look at Lent in terms of just the the asceticism, the the, the suffering or the fasting. But as the what is it the, the first uh, preface of this is a happy season, a joyful season. Um, that it, there's this in the big picture. This is you know, again as a cliche. Jesus wins. It's all it's all going to be good. This is going to be the culmination of salvation history. It's it's wonderful. And there's this other side to it, but keep them both there in balance, um, a both and, uh, as Tom likes to say. So I, I see that and that, I feel that actually in that, that one little statement. I, I think this is so fascinating because I'm listening to you, Father, share beautiful insights into this short scripture. And yet it's so different. Like it's like a diamond with so many facets, right? Mm-hmm. I did not focus on those words. Like, um, the insight you just shared, Father, about the two-sidedness of Jerusalem as a yeehaw, let's go, and oh no, I'm going to get crucified. Um, I d- did not even think about that. Um, I was focusing on we. Because mm-hmm. um, if Jesus didn't say, behold, I'm going up to Jerusalem, come on along and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. But we. And for me, that that means Jesus is saying, come alongside Come and join in. I'm associating you with what happens when I go up to Jerusalem, which is crucifixion, passion, death, burial, being dead, and then being raised from the dead. And that's our journey too. And we're being invited to to do that in Lent, right? To stop and say, what are you being asked to enter into in Lent? You're asked, you're asked to enter into the, the, the passion. And so you mentioned, you know, Father, like, uh, Father Lewis, I'm looking at him, uh, you focused on uh, Palm Sunday, right? We're going up and then entering into the celebration, then that becomes the the, the passion. I'm I'm thinking, you know, geez, I, I put the big focus on we, and then the other word was up. Like, this is, a, a, this is an enrichment. This is going higher, right? I know geographically it's also true, but spiritually it's an advance to enter into the cross, spiritually it's a sign of progress and development if we are dying to self if we are suffering and entering into the cross so uh, but i'm still wondering about the word behold do either of you fathers have any in- insight into the behold part of it no father's like i got nothing father lewis father father lewis is like i got nothing he's so, like look there it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> behold but yeah. It, that sounds like um, that whole fascination again right mm-hmm. or that sense of like pay attention mm-hmm. or, but in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lent 2020 back to you, father Nagel. Here we go. Um, one of my, one of my f- uh, favorite passages in, well, one of my favorite books in the new Testament, second mm-hmm. Corinthians. And I love second Corinthians five. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Well, what jumped out at me at first is just the, the verb implore. Um, 
And it's, it's about reconciliation. And you can't hear this probably most of us without thinking of confession during Lent. It's, a, it's one of the themes. And just, it's, it's not a yelling at, it's not a threatening, it's nothing, it's a begging. Uh, just please, 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 pretty please be reconciled to God. And so I, I, that's, I guess, the theme I had. It's, it's a call for me as pastor, too, to say that's, that is, should be one of my, my, my attitudes during the season, always, but you know, always, but, but certainly during the season. And how do I, how do, do I look at the, pen, the penance services I go to, the extra hours of confession I, uh, that I hear, the homilies or the words that I say, uh, please go to confession, here's our confession times. Um, is it this, this idea of imploring them? Uh, and imploring is coming out of a, a love, um, that you implore those who you, you really care about. So I, that's kind of the things that are bouncing around my head in that verse. Fathers, before you answer, Father Lewis, uh, just before this is a famous prior verse leading up to that we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's a little trivia question, Fathers. If you can think of what's the verse immediately before this, it has to do with the love of Christ. For the love of Christ impels us. And then, behold, uh, we implore you on behalf of Christ, uh, behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So there you go. He was talking just before that too. It's like we are ambassadors for Christ. We're agents of reconciliation. So the Holy Spirit impels us, and so reach out to us, help us to be, help you be reconciled to God. Isn't that the larger context? Yeah. yeah. Very. Good. Yeah. See, Father's just flexing on me. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you went back just a half a verse. I'm going to go back to the whole section. Way to go, yes. Father Lewis. That's hey. good. And that's, by the way, what what reading is that? That's the Ash Wednesday second reading. Oh, okay. I didn't know that, so now you're yeah. flexing. <laughs> I didn't know it either. Um, so I, I also looked at the word implore, but I connected it also with the year. This was Lent 2020. So um, kind of like the world mm. context at that time, you know, in the United States, you know, January 6th had just happened, and not that everything that the Pope says or does is in response to, you know, us Americans and what we got going on, but in, in those years, kind of leading up to that, you had populist movements going on all, the, all over the world, which Pope Francis has been fairly vocal guarding against and warning against, but at the same time balancing that with warning us against um, ideological colonization, as he called it. So if we're too much of this one-world government, that's not good. If we're too much of this kind of mob mentality of populism, that's not good. Trying to bring us back to the center. Well, who's in the center? God. We all need to be reconciled with God. And I'm not saying that Pope Francis had all that in mind when he crafted this as kind of the theme of, of, that, of that particular year's Lent. But um, I thought of that, that, you know, he's, he's got the weight, he's got the weight of his shoulders, uh, weight of the world on his shoulders. He is the, the pastor of the world, and the whole world belongs to the flock of Christ, and he's trying to help us all to see that. And he's the, the temporal leader of all of this. It's quite the burden, and he's always, you know, he sees what's going on in the world, he's hearing about it, he's offering prayers for it, he's trying to speak to it and, and, and against it where there's injustices. And so maybe that was, and so I just, there seems like quite a considerable urgency. We implore you, be reconciled with God. Quit getting swallowed up in the things of this world and tearing each other apart. We're all in this together. We need to be reconciled with God, who is our loving Father. Um, I don't, you know, there's like a, a sorrowful urgency almost. I, I wonder if, if when he was preaching uh, this message that particular year, given all that kind of larger context. That's so interesting. I hadn't gone there. So I think Father Nagel jumped out at that too. Um, I focused on a different section again. It was on behalf of. We implore you. It's not you priests or we believers are employing, imploring others, be reconciled with God, but on behalf of Christ to think that there's an urgent longing in Christ, a passionate longing in Christ, that we be reconciled to God. That I think that there, it, it, it's an easy default setting for too many of us to think that God in his high heaven is immune from a sense of really like any of the passions or emotions of, of caring or being concerned yeah, yeah, God loves us, but it's sort of a general, like the sun is just warming the whole world. But rather that passionate personal concern that is a lightning strike down and is so individualized 
to say, no, the, the Lord Jesus Christ has sent me to you to say, if there's anything in the way of your relationship with the Lord and receiving his love, his benefits and his graces, please, I beg you, on his behalf, I'm here. I'm here. It's sent by Christ. That's how much he's knocking on the door of your life. I'm here to say to you, open your life to be reconciled to God. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You're not going to figure it out. Allow him to restore you to union with him. Come out into the open. Stop hiding and accuse yourself of those things that are holding you back. So it's that on behalf of Christ part that really jumped out at me. The ambassador piece of it all. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, we're up against our next break. We've gotten through two others. We are just flying along <laughs> here. Um, and we might make it. We have to go through three, through each, the, the next uh, next couple sections of the program, even though those are shorter sections, we're going to do 50% more. I'm super <laughs> confident in that. And we'll find out in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. I'm with Father Lewis and Father Nagel. This is Tom Curran, and we are reflecting on the titles of papal messages from Pope Francis. And we are now back to 2019, and it is Father Nagel's turn. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. That's Romans 8:19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing or revelation of the children of God. I guess two things. Um, first off, the creation. I, you know, we tend to think of just creation, um, but it creation acts has desires. It's um, it's not pantheistic al- being alive, but it's an actor uh, in this. But I guess also just the the eager longing. I think that like, the craving um, for us, uh, the revelation of, of the children of God. So I, I think that that's what went out to me is um, the idea that um, this is not just about even just the human race. This is the universe that, that's being, that we're talking about and, and we're in the story of. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's lots of these ideas these days in terms of um, environmentalism or uh, creation and these sorts of things. And this is a great way to, to found and put deep foundations into whether, however we're going to uh, address that reality. Uh, but I think we're, we are all wrapped up in that. So I, I, again, I was just thinking about the whole, I think there wasn't there in one, uh, in the, uh, maybe it's St. Bernard uh, at the, in the Advent, there's a, there's a homily or a sermon that he gave about the whole creation waiting for Mary to say her yes. And, and I just thinking about that in terms of this, that there's, uh, it's, it's not just, um, not even just the angels, but it's, it's everybody. It's, and it's the whole thing. I guess the totality is what I was thinking of is uh, sort of standing on tiptoe trying to get to it. I was, I was trying to that too. The creation waits with eager longing. So waits in a particular way is what I was thinking of because I've uh, shared this with like my students at my school and, and parishioners that we, we, we don't have an appreciation for the kind of all-pervasiveness of sin, the awfulness of how, how horrible original sin particularly was, that it wasn't just Adam and Eve affected by that. It was the whole created order. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now the ground is springing up thorns and thistles when it was bringing up produce, and the man now have to, has to work for that. So the whole creation was, was fractured by that. And because of the, 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 the wrong decision, the, the, the sin of uh, the moral agent, you know, the world didn't deserve that. Only Adam and Eve, you could say, deserved that because they were the ones who freely chose as moral agents to commit that sin. But that's how awful sin is that affected everything else. And, um, and so a moral agent is now res- responsible for restoring that. And the rest of creation that was affected by that is going to be affected by the restoration and waits for it with eager longing. And um, a metaphor I was kind of thinking about is like if we if you watched the Super Bowl um, last weekend, if you were cheering for Kansas City, and then you watched uh, the quarterback Patrick Mahomes, you know, injured his ankle that had already been injured, you know, he's the agent and his his team on whether or not the team wins or loses. But all the KC fans were were waiting with eager longing for to see what would happen, how to respond to that injury, and whether or not they could pull off a victory or not. 
So we were in a, you know, if you're cheering for Casey, I was. So cat's out of the bag now. I was cheering for Casey. So I'm happy. But, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're invested in this in some measure. I have nothing to do. I cannot control the outcome of the game at all. But I'm affected by its outcome and how he responds as the agent com- command of the football game um, is going to have a, an effect on me. And, uh, and so creation similarly is waiting because there's an investment on, from the lowliest piece of pebble to, to the angels in heaven. Everyone is is got some kind of buy-in in what happens here. And so the revealing of the children of God, well, the revealing in the fullness of who we always were, the image and likeness of God, but now restored and conformed to the image of Christ as, as, the, as the adopted children of God by grace of our baptism. And the rest of creation is waiting for, for that full revealing, uh, for the restoration of everything. Well, and I like that. So building off of that, um, this idea that somehow creation has, um, uh, when you say desire, it means that it's not complete. It's not fulfilled. But there's a sense of um, something still has to be unfolded. The, the idea of revealing, you just think of, ta-da, the curtain falls, right? And, and, and here it is. Oh, the curtain's open, and here it is. But what does it take to reveal the children of God? Somehow, the journey of Lent is about becoming more fully revealed as a child of God. I don't like that. I want my child of God quality to show up by lollipops and pillows and and marshmallows, right? That's what I want. But somehow, if I'm going to be revealed not merely as a creature of God, but in an elevated status as a child of God, that's going to mean extending myself in prayer, denying myself in fasting and extending myself in love in almsgiving. Um, just as those, you know, sort of three core um, uh, initiatives of Lent. Um, and that means the cross. That means dying to self, denying self, pouring self out sacrificially. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I don't have an eager longing for that. Mm-hmm. I do have an eager longing to be revealed as a child of God more fully I just don't like the path. <laughs> so I'm just kind of humbly putting it out there. Father Nagel, you're smirking or smiling or laughing. In, com- in communion with you, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, I, I feel your pain. You feel my pain. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Um, we're, gonna, we're now down to Lent 2018, and that's Matthew 24, 12. And Father Lewis, we're back to you. Because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. There's an inspiring passage, huh? You want to get people to enter into Lent? Because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. Yeah. Is that the year that Pope Francis had abdominal surgery and so he wasn't feeling particularly <laughs> chipper that year? I don't know. Uh, wow. Well, happy Lent, everybody. Yeah, um, yeah the increase of iniquity or the, the sin and its you know awful immediate after effects and so on, you know, evil choices, but the love of many will grow cold. Um, maybe because, you know, even if it's not my sin, but maybe the sin of others that I've observed or something or that I've been been made aware of, um, there's an aspect of uh, scandal, depending on who the sinner was. If the sinner was some guy on the street, maybe the scandal's quite a bit less than if it were the Pope himself, let's say. Um, but, uh, But scandal. And so I'm tempted to, just this past Sunday, the theme of my homily was the dangers of contempt and the awfulness of it and, and how to fight against that. And if I'm, if the iniquities of others is tempting me to contempt, my heart is growing cold. When properly, my, what my response should be should be prayer and charity, uh, sorrow for that person's sin um, as well as my own, um, but then a joy that that person is redeemed as well, whoever it is. Um, but it's so easy. I'm so easily tempted. Maybe no one else is, but I am to 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 judge, to lack charity, to to condemn and. Um, and so that even that person's sin causes causes my heart and my love to grow cold, and to say nothing about my own sin. If my own sin, if if that person's sin does that to me, what does my own sin do? I think even worse. I'm growing hardened in my sin. I'm growing callous. Um, I, I'm not even maybe uh, caring to to resist anymore. Like in Hebrews, you have not yet resisted temptation to the point of shedding blood. I was just reflecting on that my spiritual director this past week. Like. I don't even think I've come close to that. So how hard is my heart and how cold is my love? 
Um, so yeah, it's an <laughs> it's kind of a gloomy theme going into Lent, but a powerful one, I think, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I I think that your question from the last uh, the last Lent, uh, Tom, is a good one. What does this have to do with Lent, though? So he chose this, um, and so what is what was the purpose of that? And it can be again. I think you can read this several ways. Am I the cause of iniquity? And, you know, that's a great thing to look at, Lynn. Or has since the iniquity's grown, the love of many has grown cold. So is that called for me to be a response to that coldness by my own warmth, my being on fire, so to speak? So it's it's a rally cry. Yeah, this is happening. So let's go back into the breach and. Um, so again, what what is the the actual call? They're not mutually exclusive, I suppose. But I was thinking about that, and just in terms of, um, for me, this this wasn't so much about when I read it first about me myself, although it certainly could apply. Um, I as a cause of iniquity and, and my love not growing, not being warm enough. I I certainly see that. But I I see it more like this is a description of the of the general situation of the of humanity. And so, so you, faithful disciple of Christ, what are you going to do about it? Um, what are you going to do about this Lent? Because this, again, this is the whole purpose of this is this Lenten message. So that I see that as a challenge to uh, step up because of the situation. It's so funny because the the phrase is "it will grow cold." I was thinking of the frog in the kettle, or the frog in the pot, which is about getting hotter, and. I'm going to flip this around the way I typically do. So the love of many has grown cold. Well, what's our conclusion then? If we find that the love of many is growing cold and colder. Oh, it's because of the increase in iniquity. And so I wonder if there's a way in which Lent is supposed to be sort of throwing a flag on the field and saying, guys, frog in the kettle, it's it's getting colder and colder, not hotter and hotter, right? And we're finding that the love of many is getting colder and colder. We're, we're becoming more apathetic and indifferent. Mm-hmm. We're becoming more self-protective. And maybe there's a reason for this because of the increase of iniquity. Maybe we need to call out sin. We need to fight and battle specifically against sin. And then if we're going to do things like prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, it's not just about ourselves. It's about battling against sin iniquity, evil, that is creeping across our town, our state, our country, our world. And we need to throw some flags on the field and say, all done. No, done. Uh, we cannot continue to be so apathetic. So that, That's what jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. All right. We are up against another break, and then we come back. We're going to crank through the last four. We are going to do this, fathers. I love this. All right. You'll see in a minute on <laughs> Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. It is great to be with you all. And we're now down to Lent 2017 as we're going through the titles of the Lenten messages of Pope Francis today. Huh. We, this is Tom Kern, I'm with Father uh, Jeff Lewis and Father Kurt Nagel. All right, it is Father Nagel's turn. The word is a gift. Other persons are a gift. The word is a gift. Other persons are a gift. I guess for me, again, it's Lent. I I think this is almsgiving. Um the idea that I think the word is a gift. Can I can I give that? Uh, so it's a gift to me. Um, can I share that with others? It's what people need. It's certainly uh, we're all poor in the word, in the sense of we we lack a full understanding and uh, full empowerment by the word. Um, that this would be. I would often think that's some of the, for me. It's the almsgiving piece can be a little bit challenging in terms of. What's not simply formulaic and something that's not simply, you know, uh, simplistic writing a check or something? What, what does almsgiving really look at and look like? So, again, that, that's what kind of I'm struggling with just, okay, um, there's a whole idea that John Paul II was always really big about the, the, the gift, the law of the gift. And so that resonates as well with me. But the idea of, okay, I've been gifted by the word now. Can I give it as a gift to others who are poor and, and needing it and begging for it, whether they know it or not? I saw in this uh, another another scriptural echo where Jesus uh, reminds us what the 
the, the twofold most important commandment is love of God and love of neighbor. And the word Jesus, uh, God, the, God the Son, is God and, and then neighbor, other person. So we ought to have a, a perfect and charitable occupy love for God and for others. And maybe, maybe Pope Francis, I notice also that, um, um, that, I don't believe this is a scripture verse. Maybe this is a right. Lenten theme yeah. that, uh, you know, of this whole sequence is the only one he hasn't used a source from scripture. But, but, um, but I wonder if he also had that echo in mind and, and maybe it, it'll make it easier. I think, I think it's easy for us to love God, um, particularly we perceive God as, as a giver of gifts and we have a communion with, with the Lord. Uh, but sometimes others make it very difficult to love them, and we make it very difficult for others to love us at times. That's you know that's the broken human condition. But if we're reminded that others really are a gift, maybe that's uh, an inspiration or a, a call to arms. Maybe uh, to be reminded that okay, if it's a gift, we ought to be grateful for a gift. We ought to receive the gift and and make it a little that much easier for us to truly love that person and to see the goodness and the blessings in that person despite the. Uh, ugliness that people sometimes sadly tend to share one another. So a reminder that um, that love is supreme, and um, and we have to love others as we love ourselves, and we have to love others and ourselves as as we love God. Nice. Uh, I'll just say one thing, and that is, um, other persons are a gift. Not always, right? But I think that even the not always gift quality of people, I think Pope Francis is saying. That's also a gift, mm-hmm. that the gift that you're being given is the gift of being patient, gift of being kind, the gift of being sacrificial and receiving someone who isn't obviously someone that is bringing you something that is enjoyable or satisfying. No, this person's giving you the opportunity to die to yourself, and that all by itself can be a gift too. All right, Lent 2016, um, Father Lewis, we're back to you. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, Matthew 9, 13. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the subtitle is, The Works of Mercy on the Road of the Jubilee. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so he subtitles it using also the word mercy. This must be on the heels somewhat of his... Um, that Jubilee Year of the Mercy. The Jubilee Year of yeah. Mercy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so obviously mercy as a theme was on the heart of the Holy Father and uh, really the heart of the world at the time. And... and um, uh, it's interesting, though. You know, Jesus says this, but then he also uh, says in the uh, if you if you realize you have a gift against your brother, go and make peace with your brother. So an extension of mercy, and then come back and offer your gift. So it's like you know, make sure that mercy comes first. Uh, but uh, but you know, the Lord still wants a sacrifice. And so far as the Lord wants us to show and demonstrate that we love Him, that's offering gifts, that's sacrifice. We offer things that are holy, or offer ourselves as a sacrifice. And um, and maybe the act of showing mercy is itself, you know, a sacrifice because what's what's uh, what's a practical application of, of mercy? It's forgiveness. I'm choosing to forgive this person for a wrong done to me. And sometimes I really don't want to do that. Rather than forgive, I'd rather fight sometimes and, and win. I would rather fight and win and make them pay. You know, eye for an eye. No, no, you poked at my eye, so I'm going to I'm going to beat you bloody. You know, <laughs> I want to you know, I want to take it to the extreme to get that satisfaction of my justice is done. My will is done. And so the call to mercy is I really don't want to do that. But uh, fighting back the desire and, and embracing the cross that is the, you know, the merciful cross uh, that itself can be a sacrifice because I'm trying to offer up a good thing uh, to the Lord as much as I don't want it. And maybe I have to say, I can't forgive you right now. I'm not even sure I want to forgive you right now, but I want to want to forgive you. And right now, I've got to be honest, that's all I can manage. So I hope you can take it and we'll let it grow from there. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, works of mercy. And, uh, and, and the greatest work of mercy, I mean charity and for feeding the poor and so on, um, uh, the, I think the first and most common work of mercy for any of us is can we just forgive the wrongs done to us, whether in the global scene and the social scene or, or the personal individual scene? Nice. All right, Father, uh, Father Nagel, I'm going to have you go right to Lent 2015. See how oh I did goodness. that? Just wow, so you're, you're right trying in. to get some extra ones in here. <laughs> I don't James know. James 5.8, make your hearts firm. James 5.8, make your hearts firm. I just think the idea is um, there that get, be ready. Um, Jesus is coming, and I mean, it's the context. That make your hearts firm because... Um, I think we've already mentioned this, but be ready because it's it's happening, and you want to be strong for that. You want to be the good foundation so that he comes and when he comes, you're ready for him. And I think that would be a great attitude to take into any Lent, saying this could be my last Lent. 
Um, it's coming. The resurrection, the death and resurrection is coming. If, if, if I was going to die at the end of this Lent, what would my Lent look like? Nice. That's dramatic. The word firm, I'll say one comment. A firmum in Latin means steadfast or it means hard. So there's the drama. Make your mm -hmm. hearts hard or steadfast. Right? So there's the, there's the drama. What's going to happen to us in our Lent? One or the other. All right, Lent 2014. Fathers, you'll both get a chance to talk about this one. He became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He became, Jesus became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. So if we are made poor, um, also, you know, he becomes poor so by his poverty, we might become rich. Maybe if we... Uh, you know, if we're if we're trying if we're striving for an imitation of Christ in our lives, then then we have a perfect detachment from those things which the world says would make us rich, and maybe those distractions removed from us help us to see what really makes life fully enriched. And I'm thinking, kind of, you know, it's maybe stereotypical, but the end of that great movie, it's a wonderful life. You know, he thought he was just bankrupt. You know, life's not worth living anymore. All the rest of it, and he finds out that he was actually surrounded by loving family and friends all along. And so that was the real value of his life. And then, oh, by the way, they took up a huge collection and they gave him a basket of money too. So like, oh, I'll get this besides. And, um, but he needed to be completely detached from all of that, I suppose, was the lesson there. And, and so do we. If we're detached from what we think will make us rich and make life worth living and be focused singularly on Christ and his poverty, um, that's an invitation for us to, to have that healthy detachment from those things. Whether we have or not, that's fine because it doesn't matter. Christ is who matters. And, and Christ, if I have nothing but Christ, I have everything. But if I have everything but don't have Christ, I really have nothing. And, um, and so it helps us to be greater, uh, more greatly aware of that because we have nothing to distract us from Christ. Very nice. Um, Father uh, Nagel, you have a minute and a half. I'll do probably less than that. But I, I was just thinking, it's just striking. I'm rich. I think that's everybody should, everybody should understand, that I'm rich. If I've accepted Christ, I'm a beggar who's been given a fortune. Um, but I am a beggar. I've received alms. So in, in Lent, I'm not simply an alms giver. I'm an alms receiver. I'm a beggar. And what I've been given has made me a billionaire. Um, and so, again, that attitude of joy in the midst of this Lent and recognizing what I've been given is, is crucial. Well, isn't that St. Augustine, when it, like his most quoted scripture was, what do you have that you haven't received? Mm -hmm. Right, That's all a gift. And, um, and, and we've received it because we're poor. Man is a beggar before God. Again, another Augustine quote. Um, and so to realize, folks, if you're hearing our voices today, the grandeur and majesty and uh, extravagance of the gifts that you've received from the Lord, not just at a human level, which probably is also at a human level. You're probably in the five, top five or ten percent of the wealth of the world, um, just compared to where most people are living. Um, but from a spiritual standpoint, if you have an active, vibrant Catholic faith, the gifts you've been given are extraordinary, and they're given to you because He loves you. But they're also given to you so you can pour yourself out. You can become poor after the manner of Christ, not apart from Christ, but after the manner of Christ. And then guess what? You'll find that in being emptied out, you become enriched even more. Amen. All right. Well, fathers, we did it. Hey. Ta-da. Congratulations. Victor, I'm doing a victory lap <laughs> before Ash Wednesday, and I have to humble myself. <laughs> fathers, thanks for the, taking the time with us today. We pray God's blessings on you. And uh, join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.